Welcome to the podcast for Green Hill Church. You can find out more information about Green Hill Church and how to take your next step with Jesus online at greenhillchurch.com. Good morning, Green Hill Church. It is good to be with you this morning. It's great to finally meet you. I've had the opportunity to journey with Brandon uh, probably a year and a half when they first got in touch with uh, you and you brought this under our radar. And it's nice to get to know you, to have an opportunity uh, to spend the morning with you. If you got your Bible this morning, I hope you do, I want to encourage you to get it out. Let's have a Bible study uh, together. As Brandon said, uh, I'm a teacher, uh, so I want to teach God's Word. We're going to look this morning in the start of the Sermon on the Mount. It's called the Beatitudes. And we're going to just walk through, I want us to, to look together to see if we can see some, some overarching principles of, of what God has to say to us. But I don't want us just to, to have a history lesson or to have a, a, a lesson in languages and things like that. I want us to sure value God's Word, but I want us to be able to walk through those doors knowing there's something that we can do with God's Word as a result of what He wants to teach us this morning. We're going to look in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to just walk through verses 1 through 12. We'll read that together. I think it should be even on the screens for you if you don't have a copy of God's Word, but we'll, we'll stay camped out in God's Word this morning. Scripture says, when he, that, that's Christ, he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down. We'll come back and we're going to look at that. There's huge implications of the fact that Christ sat down. After he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying, blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are those who mourn, for they, those who mourn, they will be comforted. We'll camp out on that verse here in a second. Blessed are the humble, some translations may say gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Other translations say they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. I find it very interesting that Jesus says heart. If we search the Scriptures together, we see that the heart is really at the center of a lot of His teachings. We are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. We are to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understandings. Christ doesn't want just our mind. Scripture would say that Christ desires our heart when we submit our heart to Him. Our mind and our actions, head, heart, and feet will follow. And Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, and they will see God. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, or they'll be called sons of God. Now, sometimes people will stop at verse 9 and go, well, that was nice. That was good. Um, let's call it a day and go on home. But Jesus isn't finished. He says this, blessed are those who are. Ours is a present tense word, who are persecuted because of righteousness. Now, we saw in verse 6 that we are to hunger and thirst after righteousness, and then if we hunger and thirst after righteousness, according to verse 10, we're going to be persecuted. Now, I understand a lot of the health and wealth and prosperity people will just sort of put a marks a lot through that, but Jesus said it. 
so we are to apply it to our lives. Back into the text, blessed are those who are persecuted. Why? Because of righteousness, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You are blessed. Now, watch the Scriptures with me. If you've got a copy, I want you to look good. If not, just look up here. And, and let's, see, let's see how I do real quick. Blessed are those if. How'd I do? Not real well, did I? You see, if you change one word in the Scripture, it can change the application. There's one interpretation to Scripture, and we need to focus in on Scripture. And what Jesus says is, blessed, you are blessed when. When. When they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil against you because of me. Here's the only imperative. Here's the only command in all of the Beatitudes. It starts in verse 12. He says this, be glad. Be glad and not or. If I say this or that, I can pick this or that. But if I say and, I have to take both this and that. He says this, be glad and rejoice. Why? Because we're persecuted. Why are we persecuted? Because we're pursuing righteousness. We're pursuing relationship with Christ. Back into the text, verse 12, be glad and rejoice. Why? Because your reward in heaven is great. For that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This morning, I want us to look at an overarching principle as we study the Beatitudes. Now, I need us to understand something right from the get-go. This is the B-attitudes. I, I emphasize just that front phrase, if you will, in B, because there's something totally different if we say it's the do-attitudes. Well, you know, I, I have a to-do list, and, and I'm the type of guy that each day I start my day, here's my to-do list, I work my to-do list, and I make it a to-done list. As the day goes on, I add things to my to-do list so I can feel good and make it a to-done list. If we say we're going to do something, that's an event. If, if I say I'm going to just go to church and then, okay, it's at 1030, it's one service, we're all as a family together, it's, it's going to be absolutely awesome, and, and we're going to have a great time at it. And that now I'm done with that, I can mark that I'm to-done but there's a totally different analogy, there's a totally different principle in play if we say, I don't want to do something, I want to be somebody. My fear, if I can say that, my fear is that the church, capital C Church, today we've made following Christ a to-do list. Well, I need to get up, and, and I need to do this, and, and I need to do that, and, 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 and I need to do… That's not what he's teaching in the B attitudes. There's difference between doing something and being somebody. I want to be a follower of Jesus. He's all I got. And when we push into these B attitudes, what he's doing is this is a descriptor. This is to give characteristics what someone who follows Jesus is to look like. Somebody can give me some characteristics. I'm about 5'9", maybe about 150 pounds. I used to have more hair and it wasn't gray. Uh, that, that's ministry. Hi, welcome. 
Uh, and, and people can say, okay, that sort of describes him. Here's, you know, there was this guy, he was, he was preaching this morning, and, and this is sort of what he looks like. That's his characteristics. These Beatitudes, it's a characteristic study. If I'm a follower of Christ, then these Bs, not Do's, are to define me. Does it mean that I'm perfect, that I'm following each of these uh, precisely? No, I'm, I'm a work in process. Thank you for your patience. But nevertheless, we're to strive to be these things. So we understand that as some, some background. Let's go ahead and start trying to, to hop into the text a little bit. Let's start in verse 1. When he, that's Christ, he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after, Scripture says this, after he sat down. That, that's, a, that's a huge point of, of application and implication for us. Back in the day, now I, I don't know if Green Hill Church is like this or not, but uh, I've been able to pastor churches and serve in churches for over 25 years and in, in all the various places the Lord has let me serve him. Here's something that I've heard before. Pastor, or most of the time when, it, when it's at this point, it comes this way. Preacher, there's a difference when you hear somebody say preacher and, and, and pastor. Preacher, I, I, just, I just want church to be back the way it was. Back in the good old days. I just, you know, we just need to have it the way it was. Okay, let, let's, let's think about that real quick. When Jesus, Scripture says he went and he sat down. Back in the day. In the good old days, if you will. The pastor got to sit down and everybody else got to stand up. Now, I don't know if that's what you want. If we want to go old school, then from here on out, Brandon can have him a stool up here. He can sit down and you can all stand up. And most of the time people say, oh, no, preacher, I don't want it like that. I understand. Why am I keen in on that? Back in the day, the one who was in authority sat down. Do y'all realize that this is the first recorded sermon out of the mouth of our Savior? And I would contend it's the greatest sermon of all time. It is a sermon on relationship. Relationship with the Father, that's why he starts with the be attitudes, not the do attitudes. This is what it looks like to be a follower. The relationship that goes vertical, then the relationship that goes horizontal. Once we have a vertical done, we can start working on the horizontal. And Jesus, from the get-go, before he opens his mouth, Scripture says, he sat down. In that moment, Christ was in authority. And he knew the naysayers were going to be there. Nothing caught him by surprise. But nevertheless, he sat down. And I would contend not only was he in authority in that moment, but if we were to look together in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, we would find this. Therefore, if you, that's a follower of Christ, Paul is talking to the church at Colossae, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God Almighty. When Jesus started his greatest sermon, what I would contend the greatest sermon of all time, he sat down to show that he was in authority. And today, right now, as we gather in his name to start a new year off together, Christ is still in authority. 
I don't know if you, if you grew up in a household like me, but, but I know this. When I heard these three words, I knew somebody was in authority and it wasn't me. Did, did you grow up in that household? Todd Bishop Tanner. Uh-oh. And, and if I heard these next words come out, you don't want me to tell your daddy. She was right. I didn't. When my mom would drop the middle name, it, it, was, it was one of two choices. Go hide under the bed and act like I didn't hear nothing. Or, or I'm, I'm just about ready to stand at attention. Pop two. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. No excuse, ma'am. Somebody was in authority and it wasn't me. And if I needed any help in understanding that, I, I, that help was provided in a spoon. You had one too. I hear you. You see, when somebody else is in authority, then I have to admit I'm not. And Jesus Christ sat down and he said, I'm in authority. And Jesus Christ is sitting on the throne next to the Father and he is still in authority. And when somebody in authority speaks, we need to listen. Now, if we walk out of here thinking that Christ is authoritative and has some crooked finger that he's, boy, if you step out of line, I'm going to get you. No. He's in authority and he loves us beyond measure. And I know that to be true because of that cross. Christ, he sat down. Why? To show that he was in authority. Let's continue back into the text together. We're just going to walk through the text slowly, methodically, picking up a few things. Back in verse 1, we saw the crowds. He went up the mountain after he sat down. Watch this. His disciples, his disciples came to him. When you do some study on that and, and, and you begin to, to look at that and, and, and really sort of dig into the text, what we find going on his audience, his true audience, based on verse 1, was his disciples. Now, the crowds were around. Yes, Scripture shows that. But we know that he was teaching his disciples. Why? Because we go back into the text. Then he, that's Christ, began to teach them. Who's them? That them right there in verse 2 loops back into verse 1 to point to the disciples. Why do I emphasize that? If you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior, he's got a great word for us today. But do you notice how I phrase that? If you know, not know about Jesus Christ, but you know him, do you all realize, do you realize there's only 18 inches between heaven and hell? I don't know if you knew that or not. Because you can have all the Jesus you want right here, but until he takes an 18-inch journey south, it's all for naught. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the so-called religious elite, back in the day, if you will, they knew everything there was to know about Jesus. Most of those guys, there were 70 of them that were called the Sanhedrin. They had the Old Testament memorized. If I asked us all to turn to the book of Lamentations right now, We'd start at the table of contents. And that's okay. I want us to be comfortable with God's Word. But they had lamentations memorized. I have dyslexia. Ask me to memorize the book of Numbers? Oh my gosh, I don't stand a chance. 
Those guys had all of Jesus right here, but they didn't have him here. They knew about Jesus, but they weren't his disciple. As we look and push into 2023, I wonder, do we just know about Jesus or do we know him? If we know him, he's got a word for us. Verse 2, then he began to teach them, saying, let's see if we can pick a theme up here real quick. Start at verse 3, blessed. Verse 4, blessed. Verse 5, blessed. Verse 6, blessed. I'm catching a theme. I don't know. Verse 7, blessed. I could go on. Now, as Brandon said, I'm a, I'm a teacher at heart. So anytime, I, well, do you remember in uh, history class, if you will, the, the teacher may say something several times and, and you hear something like this, you might want to remember this. You know, even me, I, okay, wait a minute, can you say that again? Because you're going to think, okay, that's going to show up somewhere else. If we can have that same mentality, if we see something over and over again repeated in Scripture, Christ, is, who said that he was a teacher, says right there that he began to teach them, maybe he's trying to emphasize something. So in the Beatitudes, we see the word blessed. So let's stop for just a second and accurately and biblically define the word. If I asked you this morning, how many of us want to live, you know, have a blessed uh, 2023? Man, my hand would go up. I'm personally glad 2020 is over with. Mercy. That was a mess. So maybe 2023, we won't have another round of that. We'll be blessed. What does the word mean? Here's an accurate biblical definition from the one who is sitting in authority. Blessed means joy beyond our circumstances. If we called time out real quick in the service, from the youngest to the oldest, and we just got honest with each other, we said, what's our struggles? And Brandon prayed it just a little bit ago. It may be health. You have something on the calendar because the doctor's called you back. We need, we need to have a conversation. It may be relationship. You've just come out of Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's, and the phone call you were hoping to get from the family member just didn't come in. It could be financial. You're afraid of tomorrow the creditors will start calling again and saying all kind of nasty things. And Jesus says this, blessed. Joy beyond our circumstances. If we say these four fingers right here are our circumstances, so many times what we do is just go, I'm focused here, I'm focused here, I'm focused here. But if I focus here and now all of a sudden I can look through I'm not worried about here. I'm looking through, and I'm seeing what my time is. You see, when we focus in on our problem, we're not blessed. When we look through the problem to the answer, which is Christ and the cross, now we can live a blessed life. It's a change of focus. And what Christ is trying to teach us here is don't focus in on your circumstances. Focus in on my goodness in spite of your circumstances. It's easy to focus here but he wants to see us to see through the circumstances and see him. Why? Because he is still in authority, and he's still good. 
So we see this morning that Christ is in authority. Let's pick up two of the Beatitudes. We'll move quickly, or at least try to. I wanted to focus in on just a couple of them. The first one I want us to see is, is in verse 4. Bless, that, that's joy beyond our circumstances. Our circumstances can be a struggle. We admit that, but the one who is in authority showing that is teaching his children, his followers. This is what I want you to be, not do. Blessed are, that word is important, it's a, it, it's a verb, you know, we're not going to diagram sentences this morning, don't worry, I promise, I still don't see the point of that, it's sort of like the Pythagorean theorem, who uses that? But nevertheless, are is a verb, so that's an action word, it's present tense, so it shows the now. Blessed are those who mourn. That word mourn is, is very vibrant. It's a very colorful word. And, and it's, it's not a, a, a word, a, a temporary word of like, oh man, um, for instance, I, I am a college football junkie. I figured I'd get some kind of amen out of that. Am I the only one? I mean, I, I just OD on the stuff. I, I love it, and I am a graduate of Texas A&M. I know, I heard that, oh, yes. Blessed are those who mourn over a five and seven season. Just saying. All right, that's not what that word means. That to, to, for me to stomach a, another game, we lost to App State, seriously? Come on. To stomach another game, it's like, ugh. But then I get up and go through the next day and do it all again the next Saturday. That's not what that word means. This word mourn is a deep, heartfelt grief. Let me share a little of my story with you, if you would allow me. I came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior in early April of 1986, when I was 14 years old, I placed all of who I am into all of who Jesus is and said, not my will, but yours be done. He had allowed me to experience something on April the 7th of 86 that I could recall like that. About 6 o'clock that morning, April 7th of 1986, I woke up. I was 14 years old, and I found that my mom had passed away. That's a bad day. That's a bad day. And I wouldn't trade it for all the money in the world. Now we're getting close to what that word mourn means. It's a deep, heartfelt grief that you never get over, but you learn to live with it. Brandon and I have been at this long enough. We've, we've stood next to caskets of parents who have buried children. That's a mourn. That's a grief. Our world tells us to run away from those things, and Jesus says, you're blessed. Blessed are present tense verb. Blessed are those who mourn. 
Now, anytime that we open up God's Word, we always want to handle it correctly, and we want to begin to ask ourselves, all right, once we understand it, what do we do with it? Let's see if we can find some answers to that question. What do we do with this? Here's a question for you. What breaks the heart of Almighty God? What breaks His heart? As a Christ follower, we are, we are to long to be like Him. He calls us blessed. The, the joy beyond our circumstances. I'm not going to focus here. I'm going to look beyond. I'm going to see the cross. I'm going to see an empty tomb. And I'm going to strive after that, not my present circumstances. And he says this, your, your, your joy beyond those circumstances, your blessing is found when you mourn, when you grieve. What breaks the heart of Almighty God? You want to know the answer? It's one word. It's three letters. Sin. Sin breaks the heart of Almighty God. We could go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 and we can see it. We, we weave it through the Old Testament, through the New Testament. We, we, we look into the book of Revelation, the, the, the prophecies and, and the, the longing and the fulfillment of that. And we see all throughout Scripture that sin breaks the heart of Almighty God. It broke his heart so much that he sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, not just know about him, believes in him will never perish, but have everlasting life. And if you and I want to do a beatitude, not a do attitude, we want to begin to embrace these truths. And we see that he calls us blessed when our heart is broken, when we mourn, we grieve. And it's so much more than a football game, but a sin, because sin is what separates us from a loving Father. So if we ask ourselves what breaks the heart of Almighty God and we begin to see that it's sin, here's my next question. When's the last time that sin has broken my heart? In your heart. Because you see, we need to, it's a be attitude, not a do attitude. I'll be honest with you, I, I'll confess this. I can turn on the news and, 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 and get so frustrated. I, I have a commute of about an hour from where I live to, to where I work at. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to talk radio, and five minutes into it, man, I'm just, brr, I'm mad. But am I heartbroken? Because it's easy to sit in here and sing praises. And I'm all for that. But what does it look like to have a broken heart for a lost and dying world? I can't wait to hear from Brandon. I can't wait to see what happens here, here, in four weeks. See, on January 29th, y'all are going to begin a mission emphasis week. My prayer for you and for the church, church it in the building, is that God would break your heart for the sin of this world. And because of that broken heart, this would be the greatest missions emphasis week ever in the life of Green Hill Church. Now, Let's continue. Let's see the rest of the story, if you will. 
In verse 4, it says, blessed are those who mourn. We understand blessed, joy beyond our circumstances, mourn. It's a deep, heartfelt grief. We ask what breaks the heart of God. It's sin, and we begin to pray that God would break our heart. What happens when we're found to be obedient? He answers that for us. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be. I love that. That's written in what's called, when you look at the original language, that's written in what's called the indicative It's a statement of fact. Here's a statement of fact. One plus one equals two. Now, understanding this world today, well, you know, I don't think it equals two. I I don't feel like it. I don't care. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you feel. That's the truth. When our heart breaks over things that, that can cause us to mourn, Scripture says, you, they will be comforted. You want to feel the comfort of Almighty God? I do. I've had a father. I got a dad. And those are two different words. You know that. When my heart breaks, as His does, He comes alongside us and comforts us. Sign me up for some of that. Let 2023 be a a, a year in which all of us, our heart breaks over the lostness of this world. And God comes alongside us and comforts us. So we see in 1 and 2, He is in authority. We see in verse 5 or verse 4, a broken heart. Let's look at one last thing. Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Let's think about this real quick. Blessed, it's the same word, so we have the same principles going on there. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Uh, When Brandon and I got started together uh, many years ago, uh, we were both in youth ministry. Um, Specifically, I, I started in what was called wildlife ministry. Um, it was a great ministry. It's ministry to middle school students. Uh, I mean, if, if you're a middle school student, I, I, you're awesome. Seriously, you're awesome. And one day you'll grow up and go, man, I was awkward. We all were. But here's, what I, here's one of the principles that I, I learned about dealing with teenagers. If they come over to your house and they're hungry, you're sunk. I mean, you ain't got a chance. We had Skittles on our little table, and and, I mean, they'd be gone like that. I was like, where'd the Skittles go? Oh, there were teenagers over here. And and they would leave from from my house and and go to Burger King on the dollar menu and order 20 bucks worth of stuff and then go, I'm hungry. That's a unique thing about hunger and thirst. Here, when we're done this morning, probably many of us will go out to lunch or, or we'll have lunch somewhere along the way. And after we have that and get a good Sunday afternoon nap, and God said, that's good. He said it was good. We're going to wake up. We're going to be hungry again. What am I driving after? It's what the Scripture is teaching us. To hunger and thirst is not a one-time event. It's a be, not a do. You want to live a blessed life? Joy beyond our circumstances, he tells us how to hunger 
and thirst. It shows a lifestyle. Following Jesus is not an event. It's a journey. And those are two different things. And he says we're blessed when we hunger and thirst. After what? More stuff? I mean, you turn to, I, when I'm watching a, a football game, I'll thumb through um, what else is on. And, and I'll have it to where I can go, you know, return to previous channel, whatever that button is on the clicker. So when, when a commercial comes on, I just change it. Because I, I don't, oh my goodness. Bleh. Many times those commercials are saying, if you have this, life is grand. If you have this, everything will be perfect. You know, take this and you'll add five pounds of muscle mass. Take this and you'll lose five pounds of fat. And I'm like, oh my gosh. The world tells us to hunger and thirst after more stuff. And as we gather more stuff, we just feel more empty. And Jesus tells us very specifically to hunger and thirst. It's not an event, it's a journey after righteousness. So the question now becomes, what's righteousness? If he says that this blessed life, joy beyond our circumstances, is a pursuit and a hunger and thirst of righteousness. What's righteousness? It's to be in right relationship. I brushed across this just a second ago when we started this morning. We've come out of Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. And, and I'll, I'll give testimony. I know what it's like to be at the dinner table when everybody's smiling but about as deep as a piece of paper you pull one little layer off you know that there's massive dysfunction underneath that that's not that that's unrighteous when we hunger and thirst we hunger and thirst after righteousness that's to be in right relationship with the Father. You remember how when we started this, I said this is a sermon on relationship? We're blessed. Joy beyond our circumstances. When we hunger and thirst after righteousness. Right relationship with Almighty God. Many times when I push on this, folks may say, Todd, I hear what you're saying. I promise I do. It's just my, my schedule. My schedule is so busy. I promise. I promise. I promise. I promise. I understand. I do. I'm not just saying that. It's not just preacher talk. I get it. But I would challenge you on this. Set time aside each day for the next 31 days, month of January, to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Did you know? I don't know if you knew this or not. Did you know that there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs? Today's the first. Go home today. Read Proverbs chapter 1. Tomorrow's the second. I hope you're tracking with me a little bit. Read number 2 and 3. Now, Back to our teenagers, if they missed a meal, they never did. I understand that. If they missed a meal, they made up for it. I hope it wasn't at my house. I couldn't afford it. 
If you say, well, I'm, I'm, oh, I got so busy, I got so turned around, I, I, I forgot to, to, to read it on the fourth, I quit. No, no, you can start back. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. Right relationship. What happens when we do that? Jesus answers this for us. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, righteousness for they will be. Not could be, should be, hopefully. We don't have to cross our fingers, cross our toes, and cross our eyes and hope that it works out. It's a statement of fact, once again. He says this, they will be filled. Some translation says they'll be satisfied. Have you ever had that? This is me. Maybe yours will be a little bit different. You ever had that steak? Maybe it's a ribeye. Medium-ish. Not medium-rare. I don't need it mooing at me. But I don't need it like, you know, a cardboard either. Baked potato. Fully cooked. No driving nails with baked potato. Butter. You can keep sour cream. Salad. Thousand Island. On the eighth day, God made Thousand Island. He said it was all good. (laughs) I'm getting you hungry, aren't I? Glass of tea. But ow. After you finish that, you're filled. You want some more later, but you're filled. God wants to offer us so much more than a good dinner. He wants to offer us Himself in right relationship with Him. Because that And that alone, according to him, is what fills us. So let's close with a question. Any time that the Lord allows me to be able to teach his word, I ask a question, what do we do with this? What do we do with this? It's a fair question, because therein lies the application. If you know, and I want to answer that question from two ways. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm not just talking about knowing him, I mean knowing. Will you beg him? to break your heart for this lost world. And then submit to His plan on January 29th, right here. You don't have to go somewhere else, right here. Beg Him. Will you beg Him to help you hunger and thirst after righteousness? Pastor Brandon, the next three weeks is going to have a sermon series that is going to drive after that about following Jesus, Christ follower. It's our head, our heart, our feet, all together. What do we do with this? We say yes. But to the one here today, if you're honest with yourself, you may know a lot about him, but if you're honest with yourself, you don't know him. Would you let him today? Here's your application. Would you let him? I don't care if you're in the balcony or on the floor, wherever. Would today be the day that you submit to him because he is in authority? When he spoke this, he sat down to show his authority. And right now, he is still in authority. He reigns today. Let January 1st of 2023 be the day that you submit to him. And not just have him in your mind, but let him be Lord of your heart. Don't leave here 
today without Him. Would you pray with me? God, thank You so much for the clarity of Your Word. Jesus, thank You for being in authority. There's no question that You are in authority. And we desire to submit to You today. We thank You, Father, for inviting us to journey with You. And I pray that we would say yes. Break our hearts today for the lostness of this world. And let us submit. Father, let us hunger and thirst, not after more stuff, but after right relationship with you. Father, in this time of invitation, you do with this as you see fit, because it's all about you and not about us. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Green Hill Church. For more information about Green Hill Church, go to greenhillchurch.com. Thanks for listening.